Welcome to the Juggling Without Balls podcast. My name is Monica Parkin and I am your host. And every week on the show, I'm going to be talking to powerful, successful women who juggle it all. And when I say juggle it all, I mean everything. Kids, health, aged parents, careers, relationships, you name it, we're going to talk about it. So stick around, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a seat and enjoy the show. Hello, jugglers, and welcome to the next episode. With all the challenges this school year, I wanted to invite my guest, Marika Holkamp, on the show. Marika juggles a few things. In addition to being a mom of daughters, she's also a vice principal at the Nides Navigate Distance and Blended Learning School. There, she interacts with more than 600 students, 25 teachers, and many parents on a daily basis. She's also a BIU instructor for online learning and teaching graduate diploma program. It's been a busy and a challenging year for her, and I'm excited to talk to her today about these challenges and her personal journey into teaching and administration, as well as her passion for distributed and online learning. Okay, so welcome, Marika. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Yeah. So we'll just jump right into it. What prompted your decision to go into the teaching field? What is it something you always wanted to do? Is it something you decided later in life? I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I always knew that I would go into teaching one way or another. If I look back at my elementary school journals, there are multiple times I wrote down that I wanted to be a teacher when I grew up. Interesting. Yeah, I did. I took a bit of a journey getting here. I tried a few other things. I started out with a psychology degree, thought I might be a counselor, but here I am and uh, and I'm happy to be where I am. Yeah. And a psychology degree would actually serve you pretty well in, in the school system just to deal, because a lot of it is, it's really, it's dealing with people all day long and mitigating conflict and things like that, especially as an administrator. So you probably fall back on that sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It definitely hasn't been a hindrance. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a particular teacher at all that inspired you or? I don't think I have a specific person that stands out for me, but the teachers who I remember the most are the ones who built relationships. And that relationship between teachers and students is really what's at uh, the heart of the learning process. And so when you can relate to a teacher on a bit more of a personal level, you know, humanize it, it can really make a difference. I can think of several teachers who have done that for me, for sure. Okay. And so one thing that I didn't know about you, I was very surprised when I received your biography, is that you actually moved here from Holland when you were 10. You didn't speak any English. I cannot detect a shred of an accent right now. So what was that experience like for you? Did you go directly into the school system, not speaking English, and you had to just learn by immersion? Yeah, absolutely. We moved here right at the end of my grade three year. Grade three was a really pivotal year for me. I actually attended school in three different countries. When I was six months old, my family, my parents moved to the Middle East, to Iran. And we left there when I was partway through grade three, moved back to Holland, went to school there, and they made the decision to come to Canada. Didn't speak a word of English. It was absolutely terrifying. And uh, we moved here around Easter time, I remember. And my sister and I, we started school pretty much right away. I think within a week of arriving in Canada. Yeah, when you're immersed at a young age like that, you really don't have much of a choice. It's sink or swim. 
Wow. Yeah, I know that there were concerns and my parents have been warned that we would likely be held back due to the language barrier. But within a month, both my sister and I were pretty much fluent and we're teaching our parents. No way. Really? Wow. That's... So yeah, just definitely something to be said for that immersion experience. And the fluidity of your brain at that age, right? Like how fluid those little neural pathways are that they're so ready to grow in new directions as opposed to coming here as an adult. Like one of my other guests, Anna Fleck, uh, was mentioning that her mom moved here as an adult and really never did learn to speak English. And she felt really sad. She thought that if she'd ever had a chance to be fully in a workplace or fully in a situation where she was immersed in it, she would maybe have picked it up faster. But that was one of the things she struggled with. And it is amazing how early kids can pick it up. I think the late immersion program starts at grade six. And I know when you look at research around learning a second language, if it happens before puberty, that's the key time. They say once you hit puberty and post It becomes a little more challenging, but really up until the age of 18, that capability to quickly learn a second language and move into it without an accent, they say really up until the age of 18, yeah, have that capability. But I did see what you were saying around Anna, I believe it was, and her parents. I see that with my parents as well. Obviously, they were adults when we came here. And they both still have quite a strong accent, quite a strong Dutch accent as well. And I think never really picked up the language as well as my sister and I did being that much younger, being kids. Yeah, definitely something mm-hmm. to be said for being younger. And, and like you say, that total immersion of siblings and friends yeah. and everything. I also have a friend who came from Holland and I had said, Did you know, I'm interviewing this guest this week and I had no idea she came from Holland. She's got no accent. She's, yeah, if you arrive here at a certain age, you have no accent. I came here when I was 11 and I've got no accent. Anyways, I just thought that was super interesting. But so did that change your experience as a student or do you think that it had any effect on that? Like the way that you made friends or related to people, was that a struggle or did it come easily? I think it came fairly easily. When I think back, that first couple of the first few weeks were definitely challenging. But I think as we find with kids that age, kids are so just embracing and forgiving and open. And and I think I was exciting for them. And so they really did. They embraced me into the classroom. And I remember kids wanting to help me out and fighting who got to sit beside me and and be my helper that day. And so it really, for the most part, it was a really positive experience. And and I think just, I, I think I've done quite a few moves. The first 10 years of my life, I have three different countries. We moved several times. Just that ability to be flexible and empathetic. And yeah, yeah. And what a bunch of great experiences too, to have all those different exposure to different cultures and languages so early in life in different Mm -hmm. parts of the world. So you took your psych degree and then you decided to go into teaching. Did you have to go back and do more education on top of that? Or did you just add the teaching component? How did that work for you? I just added the teaching component. Yeah. Yeah, I completed my psych degree took a bit of a break and then went back and added my bachelor of education. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So then you started into teaching and then fairly soon after that, I think you went into an administrative role. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. I taught for a few years as soon as I finished my degree. And then I actually took a break and I stayed home with my kids and raised my kids for several years, came back to teaching and yeah, it was shortly after that I became an administrator in the district. 
Yeah. And so what prompted that decision? What made you decide to go back into that role rather than a teaching role? Honestly, being an administrator was never part of my plan. <laughs> not the plan. Uh, not the plan at all. It was never on my radar. I It really was something that just fell into my lap. I was offered the opportunity, really had to convince myself that it was something I was capable of. And as I said, I'd only been back to teaching for a short period of time. I'd been home for several years with my kids, but I was already working in a distributed blended learning school. And I'm so passionate about that type of alternative learning environment. And I'm so grateful that I had the chance to move into that role and that it was offered to me. I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think I would have ended up there on my own if I just followed my teaching path. So the fact that it fell into my lap and I jumped at it, I'm super grateful. Just one of those opportunities that just happened and led me to where I am now and has opened so many doors for me. Yeah. And we've heard that. I've heard that from other guests. Someone else sees something in you that you don't see in yourself and they they actually open that door for you mm-hmm. so you can walk through it. And, and what a gift when you find out that you have actually these skill sets that you don't even know you have, or maybe a passion for something that you didn't even know was there that someone else saw in you. And yeah, what a gift to, to be able to receive and for someone to give to someone else. And have you now, have you ever had the opportunity to do that for someone else too? Someone in your staff where you've seen uh, a skill set that they didn't know they had where you've been able to open a door or maybe just give them a little nudge in a different direction? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm such a firm believer in, in that shared leadership and, yeah. and autonomy and having people step up and be leaders. And I think just just recognizing those skills and people and giving them that little nudge or that little push and just opportunities to, whether that's to present and share their knowledge and their learning with other staff members, even just those little pieces can really help them to grow and maybe see directions they want to move in that that they wouldn't have seen before. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, for sure, that's what great leaders do, right? Is they see the best in other people and, and give them opportunities to, to step up and shine whether they, mm-hmm. where they think they're ready or not and to fall and make mistakes and say, that's okay too. Yeah, that's a huge part of it for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, so then you clearly, you'd enjoy the change and challenge because then you took a third leap. I talk about juggling different things. So you clearly have no real fear of change because then you went back to school again to to teaching, not back to school, but to teaching at VIU, right? I did. Yes. Call me crazy. I was offered, when I was offered the admin role here, I was partway through taking my master's in online learning and teaching. And once I completed my degree, I was offered the opportunity to teach a course in the program. And I, once again, I jumped at it. I, I only teach one course per year. It's in their graduate program in online learning and teaching. And it's so gratifying working with adults who are excited to learn and grow. It's so much fun. And I learn so much from them during our time together. Something I look forward to each year keeps me current on everything happening and online learning as well. So they definitely keep me on my toes as well. Yeah, it lets you actually still walk in the shoes of your teachers too by teaching those new students that are coming in and what their concerns are and what they're learning and that whole staying on top of that whole curve of change for sure. So Mm -hmm. doing an administrative role, going to get your master's, You've got kids, your kids are older now, but you had a lot of stuff going on. Do you have any special strategies to juggle all that or did you block time away? How did you manage that? Because it's a lot to have on your plate. It is. The whole balance piece has never been a strength of mine. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) So 
And it's genuine. It is honestly, it's something I really have to work at on a daily basis. So yeah. the the admin role is twenty four seven. The yeah. emails and phone calls never stop. My in- inbox can be very scary at times. Yeah, I think that's something people don't necessarily realize about school administrators. They think you go to school at nine, you get off at five, but. I, I know I've received emails from administrators eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night on a weekend because that's just when they happen to have time to be going through their email box. I'm like, holy cow, they're replying to me right now. But there is this whole other work outside of those designated mm-hmm. hours because there's just so much to do. And, and probably some of the stuff is time sensitive. You don't want to leave a parent who's worried or distraught to, to send her an answer on Monday. If they sent you something on Friday afternoon, is that sort of part of it too? Is that just sensitivity of some of those correspondence. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's something I pride myself on too is I like to respond to people in a timely manner. And if they've taken the time to to bring a concern to me or something's come up, then I feel that's my my job is to respond to that and not leave them waiting or leave them hanging as well. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's just visit that whole juggling act for a minute. So you're dealing with parents. You're dealing with other administrators, with teachers. Do you have students popping into your office still sometimes too? Or how much of your day are you spending at your desk? How much time are you spending talking to people? What does your normal day look like? Or is it just all over the map? It's. It, I would say it's all over the map, depending on the given day. I would say that right now, mo- the, my main portfolio is looking after all of our programs that are outside of the Comox Valley. So I do spend a lot of time online in Zoom, on the phone, emails. But as we also run face-to-face programs at our campus and things come up there and I do supervision at lunchtime and things come up with students or parents, I need to have meetings. So I would say every day looks different. Yeah, and I would guess because you've already built some of those relationships inside the school, before you move to working with programs outside the school, there's probably still parents or kids that have that relationship that just come to you because you've always been their point of contact. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And looking back, what do you prefer? Do you prefer the teaching or the administration? There are, there are things I love about both of the roles. I've been a full-time admin for the past few years. And as I said, at the moment, I look after all of our programs outside the Comox Valley. And this consists of approximately 25 locations and teachers, close to 600 students. So the thing I do really miss the most is the kids and the relationships. Yeah, Yeah, that's really what brings me, I would say, the most joy is the conversations and interactions with students. And I would say I try to seek that out on a daily basis, just visiting a class, lunchtime supervision, just such a great way to ground myself and just fill my bucket. Yeah. And nice that you can, that even though you're dealing with outside programs, that your office is actually in the middle of a physical school with kids. So you can get that little one-on-one time when you want it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that would be, I would say, is probably your biggest joy, right? In the job is those relationships and interactions. So what would be your biggest challenge? What do you struggle with the most? I think as probably with any sort of middle management type role, I for me, one of the biggest challenges is being able to meet everyone's needs. As I said earlier, I'm such a firm believer in shared leadership and building relationships and culture. And it can really be challenging to ensure that everyone feels supported and heard all of the time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Let's just do a little pivot over to COVID or let's talk about the pivots in COVID. Businesses, restaurants, like everyone's had some kind of pivot they've had to do through COVID. You guys are probably, I would think it's a little bit of a smaller pivot because you're already online or blended learning. It's probably easier to make that shift. But in addition to making that shift in your own school, I would imagine you probably had a huge influx of new distance learners for the parents that I was one of those parents that my kid Mm -hmm. was actually in a blended learning program. And she came to me and said, I'm just totally not comfortable. I don't, don't feel safe at school. I've got grandma at home. I have to interact with my grandparent. I'm in close contact with kids. I don't want to be in a classroom this year. And it was like, no problem. We'll just do it. And it was really easy. The school system made it really easy for that to happen. But I remember at the time, the administrator that I was dealing with at the time saying, we've had a huge influx. It might be a couple of days before we get you matched up with a teacher because there's just so many kids that want to do this. And so how did that, how did you guys cope with that sort of pivot? And what pivots did you have to make this year work? Because it's a different year than any other year. Absolutely. A, a very different year. And I would say at the beginning, when a year ago, when schools were closed and emergency remote teaching, at that time, we didn't have to make any huge changes. And it was, I would say, for the most part, business as usual for us in many ways. As you just said, too, we have blended programs and it was a bit of a pivot for them to teach fully online, but we had platforms in place and our teachers and students were used to learning from home part of the time already. So it wasn't a huge shift. Over the summer is when things really changed for us. And I would say the summer and fall of 2020 were probably the most challenging and crazy (laughs) of my career. I think every day over the summer, starting sort of mid-July till the end of August, I was receiving probably 50 plus emails and phone calls on a daily basis from families who just wanted an alternative to sending their kids to -to face-to-face programs. Yeah, and they're trying to get ahead of what they see coming or they just know we want to be online this year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, so just trying to look after and support the programs that I'm responsible for, along with such a huge influx of new students and new teachers who needed to be trained, it was exhausting and overwhelming. It was a lot. Yeah, a lot to do. And then we talk about there's always the silver lining. So what do you think the silver lining was that's come out of that? What skill sets have you guys picked up or have you got new teachers that you never would have found? Or what do you think has been the silver lining both for the school and for the students or for you as an administrator? Mm -hmm. I think definitely hiring the new teachers and finding some real gems and I think rejuvenating a little bit the teaching side of things with new teachers coming in and training and new students coming in and families who are choosing this avenue, not because they wanted to, but because they felt they had to. And so there's a real difference for a teacher when you're working with a family who is passionate about distributed learning or online learning, has really chosen this path for their family versus a family who they've just been thrown into this as much as everybody else has. It wasn't their first choice. So really, I think rejuvenating that that teaching process for some of our teachers as well, and going back to those skills of really trying engaging the families and engaging the kids and using their teaching strategies and different tools. I think that's been a real silver lining. I, I also feel that there's always been a real misconception around distributed or online learning for a long time. And the recognition of the value in what we do has been a real positive to come out of this as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. People that didn't recognize that. I think for sure. And my, I honestly, my kids have all gone through some form of blended learning over the years. They've also Mm -hmm. been brick and mortar. They've been fully distanced. Like we've literally done everything at different times and they've served different purposes. But I just remember one of the, there was a real pushback when my kids first came out of blended learning into a brick and mortar. And there was a lot of kids haven't really done real school. Are they going to be able to perform? Are they going to be able to handle it? But they actually came with all this, these work skills of independent learning. Like they'd it was like they got to school and they were like, mom, it's so easy. They just give you a worksheet and you do it and you're done. They were so used to going and finding all the information themselves, doing their own research, having their own deadlines. It just actually made the transition into that brick and mortar school so much easier. And they got Mm -hmm. so much more out of it. They just really thrived that I think the two really do work interchangeably really well. There's some benefits to both scenarios. And I think that's probably, you're right, that's something that's going to be more recognized after this period. And also a little more understanding for parents that do choose homeschooling or choose blended learning. Now that some other parents have done this for three or four months, they realize that it's actually quite a big commitment. And a- Absolutely. Yeah. And so many parents, I've heard from so many parents this year and how surprised they were by how positive the experience has mm-hmm. been and how much they've enjoyed being a part of their child's learning journey as well and how successful their child has been. So that's for sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'd always heard those horror stories about homeschooling and what a nightmare it was. And I just thought, I just loving this time with my kids. It was honestly just a gift to be able to to do that and to really get to know them too uh, in a deeper level. So how do you think the kids are coping? You don't spend all your time with the kids, but they're popping their head in the door once in a while and you're seeing them. Where do you think they're at with things or what's the feedback that teachers are getting from parents? That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's been such a challenging year for everyone, parents, teachers, students. And I think no matter what type of educational environment they're in, it's been a struggle for so many. And kids, the kids are so resilient. They really are. And I think being back, one of the things I noticed when we came back to school and kids were able to be with their friends, even though we were in cohorts and even though we have masks introduced, they really rebound and they just go with the flow. Okay, this is another change, but they're in school, they're there with their friends, they're engaged. They have those relationships in place and they have those relationships with their teachers. They are really so resilient, but also recognizing that they're really affected by how their parents are feeling and, and the stresses around them or if their their teachers are stressed out or their families are stressed out, they definitely pick up on those pieces. So I think as with everybody else we see, it's been challenging for everybody and everybody handles it in, in their own way in different ways. I think just working together in our school, working together as a community and recognizing that adults and kids alike are handling this in, in their own ways and just being empathetic to that and being accepting and and listening has been really helpful for everybody. Yeah. And just meeting them where they are. They're not all in the, in the same place. There's some kids that are like, ah, whatever, I'm good. And there's other kids that are like, no, please stay six feet back. Right. And, and that some of them carry that anxiety with them and some of them don't. Last question that I do ask everybody, if you could go back in time and you could give some advice to, you know, 10 year old Marika, what would you tell her? What would be your advice? Gosh, ooh, my 10-year-old self. Probably the year I remember most from my childhood is there were so many events that happened and such a great question. I turned 50 last year and I created a list of 50 things I learned in 50 years. Nice. Maybe I'll just choose a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah, a few of them were the only one responsible for your behavior is you. It's a big one. It's one that I, you know, tell my kids 
all the time as well. Also, it's never too late to try something new. Invest yeah. in yourself. A big one, I think, that I, I work with my kids on this as well is even though I might think I'm right, it doesn't mean I always am. So just being open to all perspectives and using those listening skills, that communicating piece. One thing that everybody always laughs at me for, but I always say sorting socks is a waste of time. <gasps> throw them all into a basket. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. They multiply anyways, those things. And finally, I would say things don't have to be perfect to be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Okay. Thank you very much for being on the show. Super enjoyed it. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks so much, Monica. You too. That's it for this week. To get more information on any of my guests or to book me as a speaker at your next event, please visit jugglingwithoutballs.ca. And you would totally make my day if you left me a review or you sent me an email at monica at jugglingwithoutballs.ca and let me know what you got out of this week's episode. I'm hoping to read some of those reviews and some of those emails on future episodes. Have a great week, jugglers. 